Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Lab Talks. My name is Ben Putley. I'm the host and CEO of co-founder of Alchemy. Today, it's my pleasure to be joined by Sherrick. Sherrick is the Group Director of Audience and Data Strategy at Initiative. Um, that's a very brief introduction, Sherrick. Why don't you give a, a slightly longer one and kind of what you've done so far and kind of let everyone know who you are, really. For sure, for sure. So, um, yeah, lovely to be here. Um, Sherrick, um, Audience um, and Data Strategy Lead for Europe um, with Initiative. And Effectively, my role is to try and encourage um, and develop the the role of audience within um, our client and brands. So um, the the real power of that is being done by data. Yep, that's kind of the effective link that brings strategy through to planning, through to activation. Mm-hmm. And so my team is really focused in, tra- in terms of really being that core red thread right the way through. Um, I have a, a wide background in digital media. So mm-hmm. I started off actually in AdOps, um, which was fundamentally the best thing I ever did. Nice. Really, get, really yeah. get to grips, get under the under the skin of it all. Um, and then I kind of worked my way through all the um, activational channels, performance media, um, digital director for a number of really huge brands. Um, and then, uh, yeah, then had a little stint on the business director side to okay, actually be yeah. an account management side yeah i loved it interesting um didn't really enjoy the x's and o's of the finance process and yeah. then thought yeah let yeah. me just back back out into um back the into digital yeah, yeah back into the fun stuff so no glad to be here um and yeah really, really exciting time for us in the industry and i think you know it's, it's the right place to be and mm. yeah really interested to see where this year goes cool so just i want to just like talk a bit more about like audiences and data yeah. because that is one of the kind of great things about programmatic is that you can be quite specific about the audience you're targeting versus like outdoor for example so it'd be cool to understand how you initiative think about that and kind of how you because i bet your brand like your brands must have a very varied audience so mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. how do you think about getting specific audiences for brands, but then having a coherent strategy across all of the group, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's that's a really, really good point, actually. And um, it's probably been the one thing I would say that's developed the most um, within initiative in the last few years mm-hmm. is our, we've, we've just launched and we've started rolling out a brand new audience model or, or blueprint, you could call it, which fundamentally focuses on long-term audiences, okay. exactly like you mentioned around brand yeah. portfolios, yeah. halo audiences, those sort of things um, where one kind of campaign impacts the other, um, but these growth audiences, we call them, are more your long-term audiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and effectively, they are driven by the brand's consideration, awareness of the brand, um, love for the brand. Um, we call that fame yeah, okay. um, at Initiative. Um, and then also then driven by kind of the audience that that they want to lean into, right? So if you've got a brand, um, like a bit of a legacy brand where, you know, is very much leaning into the boomer audience, yeah. kind of really an outdated audience today. Mm-hmm. But they want to lean into more of a Gen Z audience, mm-hmm. then that helps drive the sort of um, audience pools they should be fishing in, but yeah. also actually, more importantly, the ones they should probably ignore. Okay. And then from there, that's when we get it really into um, the X's and O's under the skin of those audiences where mm-hmm. programmatic and biddable channels and addressable um, channels start really playing, um, playing up where... We deep dive into those audiences, identify unique um, triggers, signals, behaviors, interests, attitudes, those sort of things mm-hmm. that really help to identify um, one audience from another. Yeah, um, we actually quite looking. We quite like looking away from the demographics of audiences, okay, so move yeah. away from ages, and more focused on on the behaviors and characteristics. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, um, and like you said, that's really where uh, platforms like Programmatic really really come to the fore, right? Where through um, either 
ideally, uh, mm. but in-platform audiences, you've got first-party data, which mm-hmm. you, can, you can ingest. Um, amazing data partners and vendors with such incredible, unique data sources um, from publisher, first-party data, things like that, that we can really start leaning into. And, and instead of kind of talking the talk from yeah. a strategic standpoint, we can now walk the walk from an activational standpoint. And that's where um, things are starting to get really exciting for us. And we've seen the most value come. Um, and I think uh, it's one of the areas which we'll, we'll get into this in a, in a little bit where, yes, third-party cookie deprecation is is going to impact yeah. um, quite heavily. But it's also a time when we can be a little bit more innovative mm-hmm. as well, right? And um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of how we think about audiences. Um, and then the final piece, sorry, I forgot, was um, around in-market audiences. Okay, so yeah. then you start thinking about, right, who's who's in market today? Yeah, Who's searching for our brand, for our product, for mm-hmm. our service today? And how do we capture them? And that's really when you get into, you know, the paid searches and low down funnel, kind of even programmatic, mm-hmm. textual programmatic um, solutions. But um, but yeah, it's, it's a really interesting model. Um, it's done wonders for us so far. Yeah, okay. And I think um, at the very least, it's really helped brands to understand the, the short and long game when it comes to targeting. Has that expertise helped you in pitching for new work, kind of that understanding of a model? Because I know there's retail media is becoming a thing. Yep. And I think, I guess, being able to tie all of those together must what it must make that very attractive to work with an agency like Initiatives. So yeah. You must have a key role in that regard. Yeah, look, it's, it's, it's about simplifying the complex okay, right, yeah. for, for a lot of these brands. And I think one of the things that all of us are completely aware of is that no matter how good a brand might look from the outside, mm-hmm. from like our day-to-day usage of a brand, on the inside, there are so many silos. Everyone's got their own KPIs. Everyone's got their own goals. You know, let, let's be real. Clients want to get promoted, right? Yeah. They want to make money. Yeah. So therefore, they've got one thing in mind, which is to hit their short-term goals. Mm-hmm. Um, and fundamentally, that's where a solution and a, and a partner like Initiative, um, where we've come in and really helped to, like I said, simplify what can be quite a complex ecosystem of different audiences and strategies and brands and products, especially in retail, mm-hmm. and um, just help kind of deliver it in a way that is much more tangible for the CMO right at the top, right? Okay, but yeah. then also the campaign leads right at the bottom. That sounds tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of number crunching, I imagine, involved in that. A lot. Um, yeah. And what? Which channels have you seen kind of expand? Because you've You've got a lot of experience in media. I think yeah. I started in one of the years of mobile and yeah. <laughs> there was a lot around at that time kind of device yeah. ID and ad formats. I think that with Apple's moves to kind of take that away as yeah. it were and then kind of less innovation around formats. It seems like every format's been done now. Kind of what what are you thinking about outside of those two kind of channels as it were to really innovate and look at how you can serve brands in the future? Yeah, to be honest with you, I, I tend to agree. I... I'm I'm less interested in the formats and more yeah. interested in in the in the, in the time and place mm-hmm. more than anything else. Yeah. If I'm honest with you. I think, like, like you've said, um, and I think there's plenty of studies that show that creative is the most important, if mm-hmm. not second or third most important thing mm-hmm. in, in terms of driving um, action from from uh, customers. Right, but if you're not getting them in the right time and place, not finding that right customer, then there's no yeah. point. So I think for me, the real innovation comes in that space. And like I mentioned with the deprecation of third-party cookies, I think there's going to be some real kind of under-the-hood innovation yeah, okay. needed, Yeah, which, you know, even for me, some of that will go over my head, right? But there's going to be a lot of that sort of stuff going on. But I think there'll also be some strategic innovation where mm-hmm. we'll, I almost think we're going to t- start looking 
forward to the past yeah, okay. where we're going to start looking at what did we used to do in the past? How did brand advertising used to change the minds and hearts of yeah. people? And actually, even in the way that we measure performance and measure success, do we need to go back to to the old way of looking at things like long term rather mm-hmm. than thinking about short term? And I think that's where innovation is really going to come to the fore. Yeah, I think it's, you made me think of like TV upfronts there. Do you know what I mean? It's like you're buying a TV show over a period of time and then kind of fitting your message in that. And I think that probably does make a lot of sense for a publisher. I think that Mm. sometimes Mm. when they're looking to monetize inventory, they do have an auction on page, but because there's so much available, it can quite often be a race to the bottom for a publisher, which just means it's, I was actually reading an article around um, the challenges that DSPs have with deduplicating bids that resonate from, originate from a particular page. And one way in particular we've been thinking about that is there's a underused field in OpenRTB, which is the transaction ID. When we validate a transaction on Alchemy, we create a transaction hash or read as transaction ID. So I think that us being able to attach that to a bid request, send it to an agency like Initiative, I imagine would help a lot in just understanding what it exactly is that you're bidding on and maybe take a a slower approach, if that makes sense, to the way that you're buying it. Because I think sometimes there can be a race to like spend the money in a period of time, but maybe sometimes it's better to like spend the money over a period of time on the right person and spend slightly less or slightly more when you find that individual. And I think just a few more data points would just be a game changer for a lot of buyers. Yeah. And, and actually you lean into a really interesting kind of conversation, right? Because I think one of the things which have got a lot of marketers really, really excited Mm. is the number of data points to measure something by, right? Which is, also cause a lot of issues mm-hmm. because you then start getting into that conversation around effectiveness and efficiency. Mm-hmm. And um, I think what we've basically found is that we're getting briefs around efficiency KPIs, mm-hmm. not around effectiveness KPIs. Yeah. Whereas, and then what's happening is when you've got new data points, like transaction IDs being now being available, it's now understanding how does that fit in with everything else that we've got. And I think you're right. I think what it's trying to say is we just need a much more considered approach to yeah. the way that we we bid, we optimize, we activate. We need to um, test and learn in the right way and use partners like yourself mm-hmm. who are able to give us the right information um, in order to make the right decisions. Because I think what we've what we're finding is, like I said, when clients have short-term goals and, you know, KPIs and all just get promoted. Mm-hmm. We are just facilitating that conversation. Yeah. And we're not helping anyone, but kind of their their reports. Yeah. Right. And anyone can do that. You can optimize mm-hmm. to the bottom, do whatever you want. But fundamentally, you're not you're deduplicating, you're cannibalizing yeah. your own media. You're you're not being efficient for the brand. And I think that's where us working in partnership with partners like yourself, mm-hmm. as well as kind of training that new mental muscle with clients, we can get to a place where, you know, we're we're getting a classic term getting more bang for a buck right yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and that, yeah, that's yeah. kind of what we need to do yeah i'm known to thrash an analogy so bear with me while i thrash this <laughs> one but um when you talk about that i kind of think about um there's this idea of like survivorship bias and yes. I, mean, I don't know if you've seen it where it's like there's that picture of a plane and it has like they were looking at where the plane had been hit by a I think it was in world war ii by a bullet and then landed what really mm. they needed to see was where it had been hit 
but didn't make it back because that was obviously like the critical damage that yeah. meant that the plane wasn't able to land again. And I think that one of the things that we are able to do, because I mean, fundamentally, all we've done is rather than have centralized servers that we have to manage, we have a decentralized network of yeah. validators that are willing to take on some of the cost of maintaining an exchange which means there's no limitations for us in the amount of data you can send to a biolike initiative which can be okay this this is where you won this is how it performed when your bid was successful yeah. but i think what could be quite interesting to re jump into is like this is what happened when you lost like was it, it just down That's to it. the price was it that ad format had particularly high bid density so you shouldn't have been bidding there anyway because it's super competitive and maybe it'd been better to try video instead of display yeah, or yeah. just like looking at the entire picture you know otherwise you can end up without really knowing kind of creating your own confirmation yeah. bias and that can be damaging when you're looking at kind of broadening the amount of people that see your message and add and i think particularly i think about again the aws campaign that we ran with yeah. you which was because you were getting more media for your money the video completion rate increased yeah. and i think that to me logically is like more people that may have been interested in AWS saw yeah. the ad to finish the video. You know, it's kind of like common sense really when you think about it like yeah. that. But yeah, I think more of different kind of data points must be valuable. I guess I've yeah. missed something there. Yeah, yeah. And, and the important thing is the right data points, yeah. right? And like, I I hate to keep coming back to this, but it's just about education. Mm. And I think what you will find is when it comes to like what we're doing at Initiative, to be really, like at Initiative, we're really on the march to try and retrain everyone initiative yeah. around a number of different digital subjects but in particular around measurement okay right? yeah and i think like i've kind of mentioned we effectiveness and efficiency are two of the mm -hmm. broader terms that are thrown out and you can't do one without the other yeah but fundamentally whenever you get a brief on the table you should always be the thing that should be front of mind should be about business value business mm -hmm. growth yeah, that should be I the number agree. one thing yeah. right and i think from our perspective um like like you said that that analogy that you kind of brought out which i did get mm, nice yeah okay cool. i think i think that, 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 i michael scott them a bit you know so yeah no, no, I, I, I definitely got that one no i think i think exactly like you said it's not just showing about what you've gained but mm. what you could have lost yeah right and that is such a powerful story in mm. the world of marketing because marketing for whatever reason is always under the microscope mm -hmm. but we know marketing works there's yeah. there's you, it doesn't matter. Marketing works, right? And I'm, I'll, yeah. I'll put, my, put my life in the line. Yeah, I think on, there's, right? um, I saw like, it, I may have been on LinkedIn or something, but it was yeah. like, some people don't believe that marketing works yeah. and they lose their cat and they put yeah. a picture up on the lamppost and someone's like, I found your cat. And you're yeah. like, holy shit, it works. But, 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 but that's exactly it, right? But then it's always under the microscope yeah. and, and mainly from the finance teams, mm. right? And so that's the conversation we tend to have with brands is when they're saying, you know, oh, you, we, we this year we need to hit our same goals, but you've got 20% less budget. Yeah. The conversation's like, look, it's it's not realistic. That's yeah. not realistic. And all of a sudden, then the KPIs start changing. Mm. The data points that they start looking at start changing. And you start losing track of what your long-term ambitions and goals yeah. are for the brand. So I think for me, it's it's around education, around effectiveness and efficiency. Mm -hmm. It's bringing new um, measurement tactics into play. Like I said, almost taking a little bit of a step back to the past where, yeah. you know, incrementality measurement starts becoming much more powerful. It's things like, a B testing holdout groups, mm -hmm. right? Real simple stuff like that, you know, have been given a bit of a bad name. Yeah. When, you know, you've got personal identifiable information out there and out yeah. and all the when it's actually, you know, sometimes the simplest measurement tactics are the best. Yeah. And um I think that's what 
I think working with partners like yourself will absolutely be able to help us with because in the programmatic space, it is complex. Yeah, right? it it's is. incredibly yeah. complex. And you can't 100% guarantee that you can have perfectly held holdout groups in, mm. in all spaces. But if we can work with a partner who's able to then verify every single one of those impressions, that's one thing that we're not getting at the moment, mm. right? And if we can get that, and then, oh, by the way, we can also see how they've interacted, where mm -hmm. they've engaged, what they've done. Um, I'm not going to get into viewability and attention just yeah. yet, but I think all that sort of stuff builds such a nice picture for us. And, oh, by the way, by serving this ad via programmatic to this person, actually we saw an incremental lift of X, Y, Z. Mm. All of a sudden, that's a very simple conversation. That that pats away the finance teams, that brings yeah. you more budget. Mm. And at a wider marketing level, that becomes a lot more digestible conversation to have. I think it's like the, as it often is, but like the greatest strength of programmatic advertising is the volume of data points yeah. that you can see. But then equally, its greatest weakness is the volume of data points that you yeah. can see. Because you're not held to the same standard with an outdoor ad. You know, like if yep. you put one up in Piccadilly Circus, you're like, we're pretty sure that it was seen by people that would be interested in Brand X, but we're yeah. not 100% sure. Whereas you can give to the impression the number of people that saw your brand that were interested in it. Yep. Like, yeah, but more people should have seen it. And it's, yep. it, that has all that kind of dissonance is kind of yeah. funny to me, but yeah. Yeah, look, I, and I think I think you're exactly right. And let's be honest, we can spin any story, yeah. right? You can. There's enough data points that you can find. You can find gold and rubbish, right? Mm. It's it's literally how it works. Mm. And I think what we are aiming to do uh, as initiative, as part of the you know agency industry or or the advertising industry, is to kind of add a bit more education back yeah. into it. Um, I think think about advertising in much more simpler terms. Mm -hmm. Um, was our ad effective? Yeah, it was our campaign effective, and those effective those effectiveness measurements should be seen not only in silo of the campaign, but also what was the halo impact of us yeah. running that advertising on the other parts of your business, on the other parts of your brand. And mm. look, I you know I'm a massive fan of MMM, right? Mm -hmm. Media mix modeling. It gives you a good oversight or a yeah. good indication in terms of how media or advertising or you know marketing spend. Mm is impacting your business, which unfortunately today there aren't solutions out there that do, that do a good enough job or a better job. It's tricky, yeah. Um, I think it's, I think that like on your point on education, I think with your background in ad ops, mm. like you understand how the pipes work. Yeah. And I think that is like a real edge when you're looking to plan these kind of campaigns because yeah. you understand how it all kind of interlinks with each other. And I think that that is cool because then you, if you understand exactly how point A connects to point B, you can see how it can connect slightly more securely or yep. do not use that analogy, but like that is very cool. And I think not enough people understand exactly how an ad goes from a creative here all the way through to a publisher's page and kind of the hops in between, which some might say are unnecessary, myself included. <laughs> but um, I think that, even understanding that just helps you extract more value from that supply chain, as it were. Yeah, a hundred percent. And, and these, these are con these are live conversations mm. we're having clients right now, right? And I think um, we've spoken about this before. Mm. Programmatic is always under scrutiny, yeah. always under scrutiny, yeah. and it has, in many cases, been a bit of a black box for mm. many years. Um, but you know, as our clients are becoming more educated, um, as we're starting to see more agency people mm -hmm. go client side. Mm -hmm. We're getting 
the right questions, nice, right? Yeah. We're, okay. we're getting pushed in the right way. It's not as easy as just plugging something into a DSP and yeah. just hoping it hits. And then, you know, like I said, being able to spin the results to tell you what they, what they mean. Yeah. And I think on like, a, if you kind of take one step back from yeah. like the, the coal face of planning ads, like programmatic advertising funds the internet essentially, right? Like that is what it's there to do, which is where we all get all of our information all of the time. And I was writing some tweets yesterday just around, um, paywalls and how they generally have like a bad impact on traffic makes yeah. sense you can't access content anymore as happens there's always one article that you want to read and it's behind a paywall it's real pain <laughs> and i think that if you really nail it and you can provide more value to each kind of constituent part of that value exchange like you the brand that pays for the content and ultimately the, the yeah. publisher that is creating the content that's paid for by advertising and then the user that reads it and then ultimately you're trying to impact what they think about a brand or how they want to purchase it or whatever it may be I think it, it has like a, there is a bigger responsibility on the industry that I think sometimes can be forgotten that it's like, we're helping pay for the internet, which means that everyone can access all the information yeah. all of the time. And yeah, I almost feel like there's a bit of a fear factor yeah. in the supply chain that it's like, oh no, if we don't, you know, get some sort of money for doing X, Y, Z, then, you know, marketers are going to spend less. And, yeah. and it's actually perhaps the, the opposite. Mm -hmm. I think as kind of working with yourselves where you start cleaning up that supply chain, mm -hmm start getting more um media impressions for, you, for your spend mm -hmm. um yeah i think there's fear that oh no then you know brands will just spend less because they're still getting the same results ironically they won't yeah like they really really won't and if you're again measuring in the right yeah. way and showing them actually you know you're incrementally driving xyz they will spend more they will always find more money to spend more and it will fund the internet and everyone will get their fair share yeah i think so and it's like it does because really what happens where we take such a low fee, our bids are more competitive. Yeah. Like, so that means that you're able to win the audiences that you're looking for. And I yeah. think that what you can do around that time, and again, it's quite an old school way of buying media, but if you wanted like a hundred percent share of voice at a period of time, I mean, the example I always think of is like a, let's say a bookmaker at half time of the three o'clock kickoffs. If they could spend and be really competitive in an auction, they could get, bets odds whatever it was in front of people for 15 minutes and that's probably where they're going to get a lot of action during the game yeah. or a half time individually and i think that again just by making that more efficient it gives you a kind of an older school way of like it's almost like a double page spread you yeah. know like of buying media at a certain point to deliver on kpis to make it more efficient and in me being made more efficient becomes more effective showing go. the right ad to the right person at the right yeah. time yeah yeah 100 percent agree and i think one of the things that we've certainly found is when you're having the right conversations with clients around this, mm. right, they are absolutely leaning in. Yeah, okay. They are nice. absolutely leaning into it. And they start thinking more, classic word, omni-channel about yeah, okay. everything. Yeah. You know, because, you know, programmatic in the past has never got its fair share mm. or respect. Um, even though there's constant spend, it's funding the internet. Yeah. It's never got its fair share in terms mm -hmm. of performance and mainly down to last click, right? It's always yeah. been the case. And I think one of the things that we're really leaning into from a measurement standpoint at Initiative is audience-centric measurement. Okay, Everything yeah. is around audience. Yeah. And, right, and if you think about audience-centric measurement, at the moment, um, in most cases, everything is last click. Everything's mm -hmm. search getting is probably getting, I love search, I'm not, not, not going to bag it, but it's probably getting inflated 4 to 10x yeah. performance, right, than yeah, actually okay. what it is. Yeah. Um, that's okay if it's, understood and if you also think about the other channels of play mm -hmm. where it becomes a real issue is when brands are starting to move money into search because of that point right and 
there have been quite a few studies out there that have shown that there is almost an opportunity miss of 30 to 40% if you move your budgets based on kind of bottom, like ROAS, for example, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, okay. So if you just put all of your money into the, the most effective, efficient ROAS targets, mm-hmm. paid search being one of them mm-hmm. um, and whatever affiliates might be another, you're going to lose so much more opportunity up the funnel and across that, that audience journey. So for us, that's one of the things we're really focusing on is really whenever we talk about measurement frameworks, we talk about it through our kind of fame and flow framework, mm-hmm. which is right away from that first impression or that first engagement with the brand right to the bottom. Um, you know, we consider every single touch point yeah. when we think about this. We've got new tools that we're rolling out right now, um, which are effectively omni-channel. It's like a this mix of multi-touch attribution and MMM in mm. a digital world, which is really offering great kind of um, uh, great feedback to our clients, but also internally when our teams are optimizing towards um, holistic performance yeah, across okay. digital channels, we're seeing really good performance increases. Um, but we're starting to get to that space where we're just trying to educate people that it is an audience-centric measurement approach yeah. rather than just a channel-centric. Okay. Um, but I think one of the things that around saving money and where that money goes, um, we are, as I mentioned, we're finding that when clients are really leaning in, they're mm-hmm. happy to spend the money. Yeah, they're happy okay. to yeah. put the money into it. Um as long as they're getting the measurement mm-hmm. solutions that are giving them business value and business effectiveness rather than campaign efficiency. Okay. So I think let's, we talk a bit about KPIs. Like yeah. I think when you measure it, you obviously get a ton of data. Like how do you go about setting a KPI for a particular ad campaign and like what, I mean, obviously they vary, but yep. yeah, what do those look like typically? Yeah, sure. So in, in today's world, if you take any uh, brands kind of sending over a brief in most cases it will be pretty clear whether it's kind of a, a kind of upper funnel campaign mm-hmm. mid funnel campaign or lower funnel campaign yeah right and there'll be associated kpis to that upper funnel consideration awareness mm-hmm. mid funnel traffic to site kind yep. of vibes okay. yeah you know video engagements mm-hmm. and then bottom of the funnel it's like conversions ras roi that yep. sort of thing right so pretty straightforward but when we, so again, we're trying to train that new mental muscle, mm-hmm. um, that new challenger mindset when it comes to measurement to go back to clients and say, okay, fine, awesome, great. But actually what else have you got running at the same time? Mm-hmm. What else is in the market? What else is going on with your business? Um, if we look at this in silo of a lower funnel campaign, yeah, okay. we could absolutely optimize the hell out of it mm-hmm. and we could get you that ROI. Mm-hmm. We could buy the cheapest channels, you know, the dark arts of biddable biddable activation Mm -hmm. and we can get you those numbers. But actually, what is it in your business? So these are the questions that we're starting to probe. Um, And fundamentally, what we're then starting to get to is a, yes, we've got campaign KPIs, we've got channel KPIs Mm -hmm. and we'll let our amazing activation teams go away and and do what they do. Mm -hmm. But from like an account and, and planner and data strategist perspective, we start looking at the wider ecosystem of that yeah, client. Okay. And so if you take a bank, like, um, and it might be like a mortgages campaign, yeah. absolutely, we'll get as many people to sign up to get a mortgage. Yeah. However, let's look at everything else that's going on. Let's, mm-hmm. If we can, let's look at the impact of serving of, of this credit card campaign we're running at the same time on your mortgages campaign. Yeah, okay. What is the impact of that loan yeah. campaign? I mean, it, you know, and so we're looking at all of those other things and asking the right questions. Um, but... One of the things that, again, we are, we are really pushing with our clients is, um, are you running MMM? Have you mm-hmm. got some sort of econometric modeling going on that can look at the wider ecosystem here? 
And if not, of course, we can help you out with yeah. that. But it's just being considered and asking the right questions and challenging in the right areas. I guess I can imagine that becomes a frustration when you do just get siloed into whatever that brand thinks that you're good at. Yeah. Whereas they would just get much more value out of you if they kind of let you in a bit more to yep. exactly how they're thinking about everything. Because there's obviously certain times of the year or certain That's events it. that make yeah. a ton of sense. And if you can't see how they're being planned, you're kind of going in again without all the information and then accidentally creating some confirmation bias. And there you go. Yeah. I think when you, when you're talking about search, it's like, I just, from my own experience, I often like see an ad and just with the way that I use Google Chrome, the way it's set up is that I'll see an ad and then I'll search it in my URL bar and then click the article. And then yeah. if I did purchase it, it's like search delivered that. It's yeah. like, it delivered me to the website, but what delivered me to the sale was seeing that bit of brand exactly. content or watching that video, whatever it was. Yeah. And that, that link is like broken somehow. And I yeah. think that must be a huge challenge for it's, you. It's a huge challenge and huge frustration as well, because um, yeah, you hit, you hit the nail on the head, right? It's like, what led me to do that? What led mm. me to do that? What led me to do that? And, and those questions aren't being asked in the right way, mm -hmm. right? And also the other thing you've got to consider is, is the lag yeah. advertising yeah 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 and probably again paid search not bagging it again but paid search is probably one of the only ones where within a week you're probably making mm -hmm. you know you could probably accurately attribute back to that particular click mm -hmm. whereas if you look at display advertising again that could be a week two weeks yeah again depending on the brand i'm generalizing here video even longer mm -hmm. and if you're reporting on a weekly basis optimizing on a weekly basis yeah that's kind of scary stuff right because then you're not giving each advert each ad each creative each channel it's it's fair dues yeah and that that is another issue and that's again another reason why when i've worked on really hardcore performance campaigns and brands i've been very concerned mm. about optimizing week on week on week on week yeah. especially when running programmatic video mm -hmm. advertising at the same time for that very reason and it's something yeah. And it's not easy. It's not easy to manage. It's not easy to understand. And unless you have somehow got some view tracking in place or view reporting in place that allows you to see that or some MTA um, mm. in place that allows you to attribute back to the right touch points, it's, it's very difficult. And so it's almost with measurement, you've got to take a bit of a leap of faith. You've got to yeah, take yeah. a bit of a leap of faith with performance media mm -hmm. um, and also respect each channel for what it's trying to do in the audience's journey. Yeah. And I... And I, I I think you have a difficult job. Like many years ago, I was helping um, a company run a performance install-based network. And a lot of that was done on Skype. I think if I opened up my old <laughs> Skype account, there'd be people sending me offers and tracking links and all sorts. Yeah. And I would start off with an offer for an app like Candy Crush, let's say. And if I, I used to sit there for an afternoon and I would send it out and then I could see it came all the way back to me mm. with like a percentage taken off it where people were trying to find inventory to deliver it. And I'm like, that's my tracking link, but it's <laughs> CPI is about 40% cheaper than what I was offering. Yeah, so it yeah. was like, it's, it's tricky. I think that, um, it's where really, and again, um, I'm my, we very much put our hat in the blockchain camp as I'm sure you're aware, but one of the, the coolest things about Ethereum, for example, mm. is Etherscan, in my opinion, like every single transaction on the Ethereum network is written to Etherscan, which is a website. It's yeah. none, none of it is personally identifiable unless there's these things called ENS domains, which you can attach to a wallet. So like you could have benputley.eth. And if someone has that, they can send you Ethereum if they wanted to, and you would touch it to a wallet. 
But aside from that, every new wallet that is created is immediately indexed. And then you can start to look at what's happening in that wallet. And then we hope there is a way in the future to have that wallet passed in the bid request. So you could see, right, okay, this wallet has done, I don't know, $10,000 worth of transactions. Yeah. It might be fair to say that person is a high net worth individual. Or if someone, there's a, um, I think it's called Travala or a T something, but a travel booking site that allows you to pay in crypto. Oh yeah. So like if you'd seen that that website or that wallet had interacted with that website, it, you it. could be like, okay, that might be interesting for an airline brand or a hotel brand or travel insurance, you know? And I think that presents quite a nice transparent way to do some of the behavioral targeting that comes with third party yeah. cooking now that might disappear with technology that I think last year there was a 43% growth in Ethereum wallets. It went from 71 million to 126 million or something like that, that kind of number. And I think as that, it's quite nice that the third party is disappearing and then wallets are becoming more ubiquitous. Like, will there be that natural crossover? We hope so, but we're not sure. Yeah. Um, It's, it's, no, no, that's, that's a really fascinating space, right? Because I think, yeah, just kind of leaning into the third party world, I think, that is the one thing that we are like really hot on the toe, hot on the heels of I can um, imagine, with, yeah. our, with our clients and classically, right. We've been talking about this for years mm. and, you know, we've been kind of nudging our clients, by the way, by the way, by the way. And typically now that it happened on 4th of January, um, you know, they, they dropped off 1%. Um, it, everyone's woken up to it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so literally the last few weeks have been chaos. It's been look, let's get as many kind of meetings in with our clients. Our clients mm-hmm. are coming to us proactively. Yeah. We're having conversation with clients around kind of let's get under the hood of your business because mm-hmm. I think the thing about third party cookies um, is it doesn't just impact paid, yeah. it impacts pretty much their whole ecosystem. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. And so you need to think about all of those different touch points. And one of the things when you think about kind of what is the, what could one of the solutions be, it is around things like kind of wallets. It's mm-hmm. around what are those other identifiable pieces of information that we yeah. can gather from client, um, from our customers. And um, whether that's their, well, typically first-party data, how yeah. they're using, how they're spending, et cetera. But I think wallets is a really interesting space because obviously we need a lot more people to take that to make it scalable, right? I agree, yeah. But if you do think about it as your personal credit card going around, spending as you do, mm-hmm. that's really, really powerful information. Yeah. And as purchasing with crypto becomes more common, yeah. um, that will then give us a brand new light, right? I'm sure there'll be some privacy legislation that will come in and make it very much more difficult yeah, for us to do that. Definitely sounds about right. Yeah. Sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. Something bound to come up, but until then, I think that's what we're all looking for. Yeah. And when we talked about innovation right at the start, mm. I think this is where the real innovation is going to come. It's going to come from how can we be smarter, but more, much more secure, right? Mm. And privacy first with the way that we we identify our customers, identify people out there, um, and. Uh, yeah, then once you move on from the idea of identifying these people, yeah. then right, how do you track them back? How mm-hmm. do you get that feedback loop? Um, how do you how do you then measure the the success of of targeting these people? And I think, like we we spoke about this before, I think blockchain has a lot of opportunity. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where because it's con- because the industry is constantly navigating itself at this, at this mm-hmm. point in time. I think it's one of those where you want to kind of get ahead of it, but yeah. there's again that slight fear factor in like, God, you don't know what it's going to be next month or the month after or what new thing could come out. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's fascinating, but that's definitely one of the areas we're looking at as well. Yeah. And campaigns don't really stop. Do you know what no. I mean? Like there's, there is, there's not a chance to like 
it, you don't have a winter break like the Premier League yeah, or yeah. a summer break like the Premier League. Yeah. You know, it's like you have to you finish the campaign. And it's like you probably already planned the next one. So it's like yeah. when do you get a chance to take a breath? And I think. I remember when GDPR rolled out, um, I was working at Share Through at the time and we'd spoken about it and we were thought everything was going to be fine. And then it happened. And then like overnight we were just like, okay, well, yep. we can't scale campaigns anymore. Yep. It was kind of crazy, really. Um, I hope the same thing doesn't happen again when third parties disappear. Yeah, but I think sometimes yeah. it's like, hey, that might be the, it's happens to everyone. Yep. There might be a bit less ad spend for a couple of weeks, but it now gives us a chance to really think about what solutions we've been talking to or talking about already yeah. which ones can we start testing which ones are kind of bubbling up in the future and yep. it's quite a nice chance where we're trying to like pull people towards this idea of using blockchain there's never really been like a push in the yep. way there has been which cookies is a real a nice push but a push that will exist in that regard and then also just on like a macro level you've got Bitcoin-based ETFs that are now getting significant inflows of cash. So it's like blockchain is being adopted by the financial mainstream. And yeah, I think yeah. it may, like the thing that generally follows that on the next biggest market yeah. really is advertising. So yeah. like it would give a nice chance for advertising to follow what traditional financial markets have done and adopt blockchain in a way that can solve a ton of issues that it currently faces. Sure, sure, yeah. I th It's... It is, it is a really interesting space, right? And I think the other thing that we're starting to really lean into is how can we um, facilitate a conversation mm. with the right technology partners, yeah. right? And how can we start pushing as agencies, as mm -hmm. brands with these technology partners, the Googles, the, the Apples, people like that, to really help create a much more kind of considered ecosystem yeah. for, for planning, activation, measurement. Because right now... And I, th I think, you know, you, you mentioned you mentioned it there, there's so many unknowns mm. when um, the third party cookies drop off. Like, I know Apple and Safari have already been there and they've been yeah. there for a while. You know, we talk about it being about 30% of the, the open web market at the moment, which, mm -hmm. is, which is fair, which yeah. is fair. But 70% is a much bigger hit. Yeah. Right? And, yeah, and it's yeah, a much yeah. bigger hit. And yeah. especially when things like Google, you know, everyone's searching pretty much through through Google and, you know, we start with, we, we're hearing hints that kind of impression and even click tracking is going to be impacted. Yeah, I can you imagine. Know, there, there's a lot of things here which we just are unsure about. Yeah. And I think that's, again, with, like, exactly like you said, we're planning for campaigns today for mm. Christmas. Yeah. Right, and they will absolutely be <laughs> impacted. Crazy, really, yeah. yeah. And you, you start thinking about these things. Now. How can you plan with the right partners, with the right yeah. vendors, in the right channels and spaces? without really understanding what impact this is going to have. So um, I think what we've got to do is it's a little bit of wait and see. It's a little bit of um, test and learn. Mm. Um, and in fact, that's, again, another thing that we're really pushing at um, initiative. We've got a very strict um, kind of energy towards experimentation. Okay, yeah, nice. And we're really, really pushing every single person at initiative to talk about it with our client, you know, getting learning agendas in place, um, keeping it simple, keeping it structured, making sure everything tallies up to the business objectives, making sure there's clear hypotheses that you're going mm -hmm. after that does drive business growth. Like these are really, really important things, which let's be honest, we should have been thinking about this years ago, right? Or every agency you're and every industry. Though, right? yeah. yeah, we should have been. We should yeah. have been. But now the rubber's hitting the road and we need to yeah. get moving on it. So, you know, there's a, there's a big push for that. And I think only through testing these new partners and vendors and solutions mm. and, you know, data points so we can capture yeah. through the likes of yourself, will we be able to at least get a little bit more confident? Not we won't be confident, mm. but a little bit more confident um, 
confidence, sorry, when that time does happen. Yeah. And it's not far away. I think they're saying they're hoping by August, right? Really? And it's going to be a rollout by yeah, August, okay. September for it to be done. So it's not going to be end of year. It's going to be by that time. And I think what makes us incredibly nervous is a lot of our brand's peak periods are Christmas mm. and January next year. Mm. <laughs> We've got to have something in place by then. Yeah. Blimey. <laughs> a lot of work, that sounds yeah. like, doesn't it? So, yeah, I think we kind of mentioned christmas but like yeah. that's a year away still um what would you like to see in like an ideal world happen between now and that period i guess something to do with cookies by sounds good but yeah <laughs> yeah but anything um, else that we haven't mentioned anything else um you know i've i've got a lot of excitement about this year mm -hmm. i've got a um kind of like Fear drives excitement for yeah, me, okay, and I'm sure yeah, it does yeah, for a lot yeah, of other people. Yeah. Like we're in a position today where I think the unknown of where things are going to go, whether it's cookie deprecation, whether it's um, uh, marketing spends, yeah. inflation, right? Mm -hmm. Kind of market inflation, all this, these sort of things, right? Is is month on month going to have an impact on what we do, yeah, right? Okay. So, kind of what I would want to see by end of this year is much more collaboration yeah. between. Partners, vendors, brands, mm -hmm. technology partners. I want technology partners to be a little bit more, um, show a bit more humility yeah. in what they can and can't do, mm -hmm. right? We can all dream, but show a bit more humility. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to see all of us working a little, sound like real like Miss Universe kind of speech. Here, yeah, yeah. But everyone kind of working together a lot more better and yeah, closer. Yeah, yeah. Um, but fundamentally, that all comes under the idea of test and learns and experimentation, yeah, okay. right? I want brands... Uh, to be more open mm. to try new things. I think um, we we are really keen to try and educate, as I mentioned before, educate our clients to think a little bit more mid to long term. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you've got your monthly targets today, but actually when the industry changes this time next year, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be massive different. Mm. Um, there's going to be a massive difference in terms of what your business growth looks like tomorrow. Yeah. So I think to knuckle it down, I think I'd want to see more, a, a greater level of education. Mm-hmm. Uh, with short and long-term goals. I think I'd like to see um, greater experimentation um, and openness. Mm. And then finally, a bit more transparency and humility with every partner that's working together. Yeah. Because I wonder if there's like a bit of technology or a bit of hardware that mm. had the same impact on this market that the mobile device did. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. that, that was a game chip for businesses like facebook twitter uber oh, the last yeah. unicorns really benefited from a device that was in your pocket all the time yeah. that you could yeah, do yeah. whatever you wanted to with on it you know yeah. and it's like what is that because i was i was watching videos last night of the first people reviewing the um whatever it's called the apple vision pro oh yeah which looks pretty cool i mean they see they're calling it spatial computing maybe it's that maybe it's machine i don't know i wish i knew but yeah. i don't know i think i wonder if there's going to be some big advancement in technology somewhere like ai's threatening to do that yeah yeah how does that boil itself into a heartbeat of hardware because i saw i don't know if you've seen there's that little lapel pin ai assistant yeah. that came around like yeah. is it something like that i, I don't know but i yeah. think that that would be cool. I think it's been a long time. Whenever I get a new iPhone, like by the time you've updated it, you're like, oh, it just feels like the last one. Yep. Yep. So something like that would be cool. I remember when it was like, I had the Motorola that used to flip and made the DJ oh, noise yeah, when yeah. it like spun round. Yeah, and yeah. like, I don't know. So like that, I would like and to see. And they're making a comeback, aren't they? Yeah. And they're making yeah, the razors back. Yeah. You can flip it and angrily hang up <laughs> on someone. But um, yeah, so I think, okay, that's, that's what you want to see. Yeah. Uh, 
it's probably a difficult question to answer. Like, what do you expect to see happen? Oh, yeah, yeah. And all the lottery um, numbers, if you know them. Yeah, as well. yeah. Look, if I've got them, I'd have them. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, to be honest with you, right? It's it's got to be it's got to be AI driven. It yeah, has okay. to be AI driven. In what shape or form or device or mm. hardware that that looks like, I'm unsure because um, I saw that that lapel pin. It's cool, isn't it? Think, yeah. Very cool, very cool. But then I also think to myself. Are we that lazy to take out our phone and yeah, do the yeah, same yeah. thing? I agree. And just press that button. Yeah. It, you know what I mean? It's it's that sort of thing. And I think also the thing with the mobile phone, we seem to think it came and took off, which it which it kind of did, but it's only become ubiquitous in every generation. Yeah. Kind of in the last, let's say, I'd say ten years. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Right. Yeah. And so five to ten years. Mm. And so it's one of those where I don't think anything will come and just kind of like, you know, smash everything to bits. Yeah. It, it will be a generational push and it will mm. come from um, kind of your Gen Z's, Y's, X mm. up. It will kind of, that will be the flow of it. I think it will also be a, and typically a confidence thing, right? And I think as more people are becoming more educated with data, privacy, yeah. there's going to be that kind of pushback. Um, like you said, I think the, the beauty of, the mobile device is it wasn't just the fact it was a phone in your in kind of in your hand it was when the smartphone came about yeah. and all of a sudden everyone became more social mm. socially kind of linked right i think that for me was the big shift mm. that was when kind of your grandma was on facebook yeah. right and everyone was seeing what you're doing and everyone's becoming more, much more aware mm. we were becoming a lot more polarized with our political thoughts and True. beliefs because of yeah. what, everything you saw through the algorithms that every single social platform serves yeah. you i think that's kind of the follow-on from these big hardware shifts mm. it's bound to happen with ai in what shape or form that happens unknown right yeah i agree yeah. so in terms of what sort of thing is going to change everything i'm i'm honestly not sure but i think it's going to come with it obvious with its obvious pitfalls with its pushback i think mm -hmm. because we are in a social era of polarizing thoughts and beliefs and whatever um it will become much more tricky to become yeah. a, a ubiquitous tool and technology true yeah i think you're right um i think that's one of the things that we talk about at alchemy is that if if you return more value to people that are creating content this is a bit of a tangent but um we've made it this far without one yeah, so i yeah. thought i'd throw <laughs> one in at the end um if you return more value to people that are writing content yeah there potentially will have to be less polarizing in the way that they write their art do you know what i mean i yeah, feel yeah. like more money yeah, puts yeah. people more, more people back into the middle because yeah. you don't have to be like i think arsenal are rubbish but i think arsenal are great and yeah. then i go that way and then chelsea fans go to the right yeah. you know yeah. so like that is really i guess our mission or we hope we can help with this yeah. year is just us to kind of add more value back to the people that creating the value and i think yeah. often the underserved person in that is like you and i right the user yeah. of the internet yeah. we do work in our tech but and that's where a blockchain is quite handy i mean we've been talking about this idea that a digital ad market is a intangible asset of some description yeah. worth up to 600 billion dollars yeah. a year potentially a trillion by 2028 um by giving us the chance to contribute to that through a protocol like alchemy let's say we can share in some of the aggregate value that's created rather yeah. than the individual value because that's never been enough of an incentive it's like i'm one one thousandth of a cpm yeah. and a cpm is let's say five dollars you know like yeah. it doesn't leave me with very a thousandth five thousandth of a cent 
takes a lot of five thousandths to get to a one you know yeah. so like being able to share in the aggregate value i think is really nice and that is facilitated really by blockchain um because it's a transparent ledger of exactly yeah. what went down and i think maybe maybe if cookies it is bad when it goes you know like maybe as kind of you were saying earlier you do go back to a more traditional way of buying media it's like okay hey, i'm just going to buy the ad units on this website because our audience goes there and yeah. great you know yeah. like that maybe that does make sense but then we can all share in more of the values so then there's more do you know what i mean and then there's fewer ads they work a bit better and you get to the i've lost my cat story you know <laughs> yeah, no 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 I, I i i completely agree with that actually and i think that's what fundamentally we as consumers people working ad tech people mm. working advertising want it's just a much more kind of value-based um kind of ecosystem yeah. right where from content right through to impression right through to conversion mm -hmm. is offering value at every at every point and yeah not monetary value not mm. always monetary value but but real personal value yeah. right and i think um blockchain absolutely is going to be a facilitator mm -hmm. in that um in what shape or form that kind of manifests itself i'm unsure you're probably a yeah. lot closer to that than i than i am or have kind of bigger thoughts about where that could go than than i have but I think for me, it's it's like you said, I think the fear of third-party deprecation is going to open up lots of opportunity. Yeah, right? totally It's going to open up opportunity um, for, if we talk about contextual, right? Mm -hmm. So exactly like you mentioned there, we're going to go to a place where somebody is reading an article on X and therefore let's serve them an ad. Yeah. But then you get the other complexities. What angle is that p piece of content being, yeah. being written in? Mm -hmm. Is that kind of is it much more conservative is yeah. it a little bit more kind of aggressive do mm. should we be as a brand be seen on true, those sort of sites is it well. true yeah. you start opening up a whole bunch of other challenges which you know as when you buy programmatically you can't see yeah at all times right and that's where um again you almost take a step back again and start working directly with the guardians or the telegraphs yeah. or these sort of people to say mm. you know here is our kind of exclusion list in terms mm. of keywords places we don't want to be and it it can like I said, the the fear can open up opportunity, but we're just going to be facing different challenges. Mm. And it's in the same way that kind of we talk about AI, right? AI going to be the place that, uh, sorry, AI is going to take people's jobs, right? Yeah. That whole fear. But it also opens up opportunity for people to learn new skills and to yeah, step in new exactly spaces that, and yeah. optimize their time more efficiently so they can do smarter, more, you know, value-based mm. work. So I think for me, um, you're, you're absolutely right. Where it goes... You know, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't think anyone does. And if they did, they'd be on a massive yacht somewhere just sipping martinis, right? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, they would. They would. They yeah. would. But um, but I think it's it's the the unexpected that's driving a lot of excitement from totally all of agree. us. Yeah. Everyone in ad tech is very excited at the moment. Yeah, and it just kind of gives an excuse for people to take a risk. You know, because oh, yeah. like if it if it, yeah. if it goes badly now, how much worse can it go if you try something new? That's it. Uh, there's the potential to go better. You yeah. Know? And I think it's rare. It's going to be a point on AI that a new technology kind of exclusively removes jobs you know yeah. like as you said it kind of equally creates new types of jobs yeah. that weren't possible yeah. without this bit of technology you know so yeah. yeah i think it's it's going to be an interesting year i feel like yeah. we finally got out of the year of the mobile now maybe we're in the fifth year of the year <laughs> of the cookie or something like that let's but, the blockchain uh, yeah and fingers, we'll fingers crossed yeah um Sherrick, that was brilliant. I yeah, thoroughly enjoyed fun, that. Right? Um, yeah. Thank you for joining us. And yeah, we'll have you on anytime you want, mate. That was awesome. Brilliant. Cheers. Appreciate it. Thank, Thank you very much. Cheers.